Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through. When you don't know what to do, keep breathing. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep breathing from beautiful Huntington Beach, California on the HealthyLife.net network heard in all 50 states and 135 countries, all positive talk radio. I'm Dave the Caregiver, CaregiverDave.com, and usually along with my lovely co-host Adrian Gruberg, but she could not make it today. Always a sad day when Adrian can't make it. And we are coming to you live 24-7 on uh, HealthyLife.net and afterwards on many other networks, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, etc. And in fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two also on caregiver podcast on caringvillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show for you planned today. Raina Nices is the author of No Regrets. Hope for Your Caregiving Season, certified coach, host of A Season of Caring podcast, and speaker who's passionate about supporting daughters and sons in a season of caring with their aging parents. I just went through that recently, and Raina lost both her parents to Alzheimer's disease, ouch, 20 years apart after her season of caring for her dad through the, her journey, she founded a season of caring coaching, where she offers encouragement, support, and resources aimed at preventing family caregivers from aimlessly wandering through the important season of life, and I know what that's like. And she lives at a farm in southeast Kansas with her husband, and so I, was, I always like to say, you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> anyway, um, before we get... Uh, before we start our interview with Rena, I want to thank my last week's guest, Ellen Long Stillwell. She's a registered nurse, certified hospice and palliative care. While raising two boys, she volunteered as part of the hospice team with Metropolitan Jewish Health System. She's in New York, and it's a great show if you want to know all about hospice and uh, palliative care. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on HealthyLife.net and on all the other platforms I mentioned, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, the list goes on and on. There's 25 of them. All right, enough of that. Raina, welcome to the show, and we're so excited to have you on. Thank you. It's great to be here today. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests, just who is Rena Nisus, and why was she put on this earth? What's your purpose here? You know, I love that question, and as I've listened to you, everybody's always kind of surprised by it, but I just love it because I think 
all of the things that we experience in life bring us to the place where we are today, and it is the reason why we're here. And, you know, at 16 years old, when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I never dreamed that I would be helping others who find themselves needing to care for their parents. But this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, in a place of just being able to serve others and encourage them in their journey of watching their parents age and eventually walking them all the way home. Yeah, that's a tough job. I know my mother had dementia uh, for about 10 years, and I just saw her progress. And my father probably was more fortunate. He died very quickly. He was a drinker, <laughs> so he had sclerosis of the liver. And so uh, his caregiving uh, um, needs were much quicker. And I, I'll tell you, that's the way I want to go, not sclerosis of the liver, but quickly. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about your caregiving experience. How did your caregiving experience and your season begin? So this time around, it began with my dad. Um, as I mentioned, my mom had Alzheimer's and passed away after 12 years um, with her disease. And seven years later, my dad was diagnosed. So as a family, we knew what was coming, and, you know, we had some conversations around that, and he lived for 14 years with the disease. So he was really pretty independent for quite a while. His sister was living with him and helping. But for me, that big place of having to step in and really help um, came whenever he reached a point where he had melanoma, had some surgery, and those daily wow. care things just became really difficult for him. And so we were – and his sister just maxed out. And so we were at a place where, okay, we've got to figure out what we're going to do with dad. We need 24-hour care. What's that going to look like for our family? And so we did what most families do, you know, went looking for memory care units and support in that way. And, you know, you have to remember, even though my dad couldn't take care of himself daily, he actually was still playing volleyball three times a week. He was going to the gym and lifting weights three times a week. So he was 80 or well, seven. At that point, he was, um, yeah, 81. And so, so he reached that point where he wasn't able to take care of his daily needs. It just maxed out his sister. And so as a family, we tried to figure out what are we going to do. As I looked at memory care units, it just didn't seem like a good fit for him. He was so physically active that um, it really brought me to tears thinking about putting him there. And so my husband just said to me, you know, Raina, if you need to move here and take care of your dad, then that's what you need to do. And so the farm is 220 miles from my dad's house. And so we made the commitment for me to start making that drive. And I actually was able to just stay half the week with him. And we brought in um, full-time care, uh, paid caregivers. My sister spent a couple nights a week. His sister spent a couple nights a week. So we just teamed together to help keep him in his home. And we did that for four and a half years. Wow, what a sacrifice. What a giving gift. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, nothing better than a caregiver who, who just really steps up to the plate and does what needs to be done, you know. I mean, none of us signed up for this. It's, it was not on our resume, but we weren't prepared for it. I certainly wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just so thankful and you know, but looking back, you know, I don't think I want to be that kind of a burden to my kids. So I, I've i done things like I've gotten a, um, a long-term care policy so that, you know, my my kids would have the resources. If, ever, if that ever happens to me, God forbid, you know, I joke around with them. I said, you know, if I ever get like that, I'll show you where the guns are, make it look like an accident. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, half kidding and half not kidding. <laughs> I I think it's hard, but I I guess I look at it and say it was a sacrifice for our family, but I was so blessed to be able to spend that time with my dad. 
I mean, the memories that I have and the opportunities that, of things that we shared that I would never have. I mean, as an adult, you just get busy with your own life and do your own things. And so just that connection, I, I think that it was well worth it. And, you know, he had long-term care insurance, but it was just part of that that allowed us to bring in right. care versus placing him somewhere. So I think there's all kinds of options, um, but it is something yeah. you have to talk about together and figure out what works for your family. And I would encourage people because, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people. I've got like 40,000 people on my Facebook page. And, you know, unfortunately, the vast majority, maybe, you know, 90% of them are just have a bad attitude. You know, they're just complaining about, oh, I have to do this. You know, and it's hard for them to see the joy in caregiving because, it's all about attitude. They need to approach it as, hey, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, they took care of you. They changed your diapers. You know, when, when you were getting in trouble, they would come to your rescue. And, <laughs> uh, you know, to hear things like, oh, well, I don't even want to go because they don't even recognize me and they don't even know if I'm there or not there. You know, bad attitude. <laughs> and they're missing out. They're missing out. They are so missing much. out. I agree. Yeah. So we're in agreement with that. Uh, what was one of the most challenging parts of caring for your dad? Because I know there were challenging parts. There certainly were challenging parts for my mom. Definitely. And I think for me, one of the most challenging things is just that making sure that I kept my marriage alive, my relationships alive at the same time as making, you know, my dad's care at that season of his life a priority. So the juggle, we all face that juggle, don't we? And I think really just being able to figure out how to, Make it where the time that I was at home on the farm, I invested in things that were important, and I let go of those things for a season that weren't important. And when I was with my dad, I was able to really focus on his care and take care of him. So I think that's the hardest thing is just to be able to really, you know, decide what's most important to you and make sure you're making decisions about your time and not just letting it kind of get pulled away from you. Now, is this a real farm that, that, you know, with chickens and cows and you have to get up at the, before the sun and milk the cows <laughs> and, and get your eggs from the chickens? I mean, tell me about your farm. So, thankfully, it's not an animal farm. So, we farm grain. So, we uh, have uh, – he farms both our land and then other – has landlords over 3,000 acres. And uh, so, we're looking at wheat, soybeans, corn – hay, that kind of stuff. So, yes, lots of hard work that's going on, but not animals. <laughs> and how is life for the American farmer today? It's challenging, honestly. I think it, I, I, one of the things that's most amazing to me is how much he has to know about everything. You know, I think that's true of all small business owners, but just being able to watch all the regulations and follow the rules and then, um, you know, all the changes that are always happening. The technology is changing all the time, but it's good. It's a good life. We really are blessed and so thankful for the opportunity to work hard every day and see the rewards of that. So, Did, did you always live on a farm? No, I am from Kansas City, a suburb of Kansas City, so I'm a city girl, and I met the farmer and fell in love. We got married 11 years ago, so I've been here a while now, but not not my whole life, that's for sure. You're a Green Acres story, huh? <laughs> yeah, you brought the city girl home. So. You didn't exactly live to, uh, move from Times Square, but uh, Kansas City, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, how come you didn't consider bringing your dad to the farm? Was that not an option? 
It was not an option because I have a sister. And so we needed to work together and be a team in that way. And she just lived a few miles from his home. And he had asked to stay in his home. And, you know, with dementia, an environmental change is not always the best thing. So we just made that compromise together. So. So how was your sister doing? I mean, did she get to the point of burnout and you came to the rescue like the Calvary? You know, I think we just teamed pretty well together. She definitely had to take care of the finances well before I was doing all the traveling um, and doctor's appointments. You know, that was kind of on the horizon as things were getting more and more difficult for him. Um, but I think we did pretty well at preventing burnout for each other by being that team and just having those conversations of how are you, what do you need, who do we need to bring on the team, you know, what other support do we need. Um, I was big about making sure that we had those check-ins regularly. So she, you know, she carried a lot of the burden in a different way. Um, She didn't do as much of the hands-on there, but she was always on call. And you know how that is. That's hard. Yeah. How long uh, before you first noticed the symptoms of his uh, dementia or Alzheimer's? Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's sad whenever I think of that. We actually... You know, because we had lost my mom and she was only 65 when she passed away, um, he made a phone call to me probably five, six years after she was gone. And dad and I actually were in business together. We owned a Sylvan Learning Center and I lived about four hours away where I I ran Sylvan. Oh, yeah. And um, so we owned that business together and he made a phone call to me and said, you know, Raina, I'm really, I'm really worried. And I'm like, what's up dad? And he's like, I think something's wrong with me. And I'm like, well, why? And he said, I just, I just am not remembering things. And I was like, Oh dad, don't worry about it. I think, you know, we haven't seen normal aging. His, his parents died really young. My mom's parents died really young. I said, Oh, just go to the doctor. It'll be fine. And then it wasn't. He had mild cognitive impairment was that first in, um, diagnosis. And so it was disconcerting. I don't think I saw it as much. But then as we were working together and having those business meetings and talking over the budget, dad was an accountant before he retired to take care of my mom. And so he and I would talk through the books and, you know, talk about those just business decisions. And I started, that's when I saw the processing was changing, his difficulty being able to take it all in and give me the same kind of recommendations that we used to have. So I would say those were kind of the first signs. And then, of course, his sister was living with him. And so she was able to keep us in in tune with when we were concerned, what things were happening, that kind of thing. So. Did he know you up until the end or did that change? No, I'm sure he didn't. Um, There was always a heart connection. So he definitely knew that I was someone special. But if you ask him if he was married or if he had children, depending on the day and the time, you know, most of the time the answer was no. Occasionally we would get a yes. But, you know, one of the things that I'm so thankful for at the end, within the last days of his life, um, he actually said my name again. And I was trying to think back. It was probably years since I had heard my name, and um, he was in his bed, and I had been standing there talking to him, and someone else came in the room, and I kind of went to the head of his bed where he couldn't see me, and he looked Uh around, where did Raina go? And it was just like, oh, he knew, you know, so what a blessing that is to have that memory, but yeah, it's hard. When your parents forget who you are, there's no way not to be hurt by that. Yeah. So... um, 
Are there certain kinds of things that you would do that would, uh, you know, especially toward the end when when the cognitive cognitive impairment was at its worst? Um, I know with my mom, you know, I used to put on headphones for a 40s music, and she would just come alive, and we would sing songs together or, or uh, put pictures up on the wall. What are some things that really helped? So both of my parents, really, their progression of their disease was very different. My mom was similar to what you said. My mom actually was nonverbal for eight years of her journey. So she talked gibberish or didn't, you know, would just smile at you. But when she heard music, she could sing, and she always clapped her hands and really enjoyed that a lot. She loved physical touch, that kind of thing, just sitting and being with her. She was more of a homebody, more of a quiet, introverted-type personality. My dad was an extrovert, and my dad was – he played professional baseball. He was a people person. And so he was just physically active, literally as active as we could keep him. So we stopped going to the gym probably about two years before he passed away, but we did add a ping-pong table to our house, and he (laughs) – love to play ping pong and he was so good at it within a month of his passing we were still playing ping pong together he was ornery and he laughed and you know how long we played definitely got shorter as he struggled a little bit but overall that was just one of my favorite things too was just being able to play ping pong with him so creative to look for things like that i I never would have thought of that (laughs) but uh, yeah yeah he loved to do things He loved to do things and be active, you know, and so it was like, what can we do inside that doesn't take a lot of, you know, it's not softball anymore. We can't play volleyball or softball, and and those were his favorites, so we had to find something we could do. And so, you know, we definitely enjoyed puzzles. He loved to look at coffee table books of Babe Ruth and those old ball players, and just kind of tell stories about things. And so those were the quiet things that we did, but keeping him in Physically engaged was a big piece of who he was, so it was important to figure that out. All right, well, listen, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back, so don't go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. 
Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and caregiverdave.com. You're listening to HealthyLife.net. Millions of listeners know the secret. Now you do, too. Positive talk, 24 hours a day, every day. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nsani at CaregiverDave.com, and our guest Rena Nysis, and we're talking about uh, her book and her dad and her mom and the experiences that she went through. Um, when you lost your mom, because that happened first, right, uh, was your dad involved in the caregiving, and, and how did that work out? And, you know, was he patient? Uh, uh, you know, did he take it really hard when she uh, finally passed? How, how long was that process? So mom was 53 when she was diagnosed. So that oh, changed wow. their whole plan for retirement. You know, she was a stay-at-home mom and cared for us. I was only 16, so we were still in the thick of high school. And my sister was off to college, but it was definitely a shock to our whole family. And it was difficult. It was a 12-year journey for her. And honestly, within um, I went off to college, and my second year of college, my dad realized my mom couldn't be home alone anymore. And so he actually took early retirement from his job as the chief financial officer at Folgers Coffee Plant in Kansas City and stayed home with her. And his goal was to travel as much as they could and live some of those dreams that they had. But, you know, it's kind of short-lived with that, with the disease. And so her progression and her personality, she's just, she was such a homebody that it was hard for her to be away from home. And so they did some traveling, but it really didn't last very long. And he got to a point where he did allow um, some paid caregivers to come in. It was only during the day. He did all the bathing and um, caring for her. I would come home and take over as much as I could on spring break and summers. I was a teacher, and so I continued to do that even after college to be able to give as much support as I could. But he really was her primary caregiver. And so, um, you know, his personality, he learned to cook. He learned to chill out. <laughs> Honestly, uh, he wouldn't have been the most patient probably earlier in his life but he just adored her, and he really did an amazing job of caring for her. Mm. I wish he had let more people help because, um, you know, I know it was really hard on him to watch her um, go. And, and as you ask, he did not take her passing well. It was very difficult. And honestly, mm. I think up until the point in which he forgot her, 
if you said my mom's name, my mom was Freddie, and he's, if you said Freddie, anything about Freddie, tears came to his eyes. He just missed her a lot. So oh, it was a precious, end, sweet relationship. Yeah, it really was until he got to the point that he would say he didn't, you know, he wasn't married. He didn't recognize her. So, um, and there seemed to be a little more peace at that point of, of missing her, you know, once he forgot. But yeah. um, Well, they're together now, aren't they? They are, and that was one of the most comforting things once he passed was just knowing that after 20 years apart that they would get to be together again. So did he exhibit some signs of burnout, you know, for doing it, doing too much himself, et cetera? I wish I could tell you I knew. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think I paid enough attention. I was in my 20s, and, you know, I was right. actually living away life. from home. Yeah, I lived away from home for a while in Texas, and so I don't think I saw it as much as I should have. Once I was home again, at the end of her life, um, the last couple of years I was there, and I would do more. He played softball, and so I would come and stay with her at the house while he played. So he did ask for help in some things, but emotionally I know that it was it was just a difficult journey. Yeah. So. so much similarities between us two. My wife had a stroke at uh, 52 which is pretty young. I was 42. She was a little older than me. And our daughter was like 18. And it, it affected her, um, you know, because, uh, well, that's a whole other story, but <laughs> we're interviewing you today. <laughs> but um, the um, your emotions, let's talk about emotions. Um, how did they impact uh, you in your caregiving season and things that you had to do? I think emotions are the biggest part, especially in this kind of process where your parents forgetting you and they're not able to do things. But I think all of us struggle in watching our parents age. They've been our whole lives the capable, competent one who takes right. care of us, right? And even if they aren't doing everything for us, they're always there, they're a phone call away. So I think just watching them get to a point where they need help is so difficult. So I really encourage people as I work with them as a coach and just as I talk to people, you've got to realize there's a lot of emotion behind this. And if you ignore it, that's when you're going to get yourself in trouble. You've got to process through it. I think reflection is one of the most important things you can do. Slow down. Be quiet. If you're a journaler, journal. If you're not, do what it is you need to do to really think through where your feelings are coming from, where your reactions and behaviors are coming from, because they're rooted in those feelings. So for me, you know, as I drove home that 220 miles every week, I just kind of asked myself some questions. What went well? What didn't go well? How am I? What do I need? And sometimes I just needed to cry. Sometimes I needed to make a lunch date with a friend that I call my fun friend and, you know, get some laughter back into my life. Um, but I think really just realizing the emotions are so important. It's it's really something you have to take care of. Yeah, you don't have this care formula, C-A-R-E, uh, communicate with your friends, don't isolate them, don't rag on them, save that for a support group. Did you have a support group, and did you have those special friends that you maintained the relationships, uh, didn't burn them out, and they, they didn't stop coming by and all that stuff? I definitely had friends that I kept in my inner circle and those that I knew that I needed to spend time with. And so that was part of that intentionality is get them on the calendar. You know, I'm going to be home on Tuesday night. Let's go to dinner or let's go to a movie, that kind of thing. I did not engage in the support group. Um, I think I, 
I was going through coach training at the time. I had friends that I had a lot of coaching, so I would use I used a coach rather than a support group necessarily. But I definitely am a huge supporter of support groups because I think finding others who understand the level of what you're going through really can help. Yeah. And like you said, keeping those friends friends and not dumping all the time definitely right. can help. You had you had, did have a support group. It was a support group of one. <laughs> <laughs> True. And having a support group of one is better than having a support group of zero. Definitely. Um, do you ever uh, – I know I think about this all the time because my memory – you know, I'm 67, and I certainly don't have the memory I used to have, and my mother had dementia. So I, I am worried that, you know, maybe the same thing will happen to me. So I saw this ad in Facebook about five years ago. Uh, we're doing a dementia study. Come and see. You know, we're trying to find – early warning signs and, and this and that. So I've been, every six months, I go take the test, you know. And so far, so good. good. I mean, I'm not doing great, but I, I haven't crossed that magic line of, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you worry about that? You know, I think I would be lying if I told you I never think about it. Um, I try not to think about it a lot. Like we talked about before, that positive side of life, you have to kind of focus with what you can control. And some of these things are outside of our control. But, you know, I guess my I'm definitely active in the Alzheimer's Association, very supportive of all of the uh, trials and and things that they're doing research to get somewhere with this disease. Because sadly enough, it's been 16 years since we've had a new medication approved for Alzheimer's. So it's crazy that we we're just running into so many roadblocks. But the research is really showing a lot of trending to getting to some good breakthroughs here soon. So I'm praying for that. But I guess that would be the true answer is I have the faith that the Lord knows and worrying's not going to change it. And so I'm just going to trust him and it, what will be will be. So we have long-term care insurance. I'm good to my husband so that he'll be good to me. <laughs> I'm just going from there. <laughs> and your kids too. Yeah. That would be good for our kids. Hey, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life 2 today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life 2 is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Discover the world's largest anti-aging organization, Life Extension. For the best information, vitamins, and supplements, you just can't beat Life Extension. To start extending your life, go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Life Extension banner. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. 
If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. Remember... Get positive emotions at www.healthylife.net. And we're back again on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Caregiver Dave, uh, Dave, caregiverdave.com. And I'm my guest, Rena, Rena, I'm sorry, Rena Nysis. And we're talking about dementia, Alzheimer's, caring for our loved ones. Um, self-care is so important, and that's probably the thing that we learn the last <laughs> after we burn out. Um, what was your experience with burnout and learning how to care for yourself, put your oxygen mask on first, et cetera? For me, I think because I was going through coach training and I had become a life coach, I was understanding myself and my awareness so much better even before I got to that point. And so that reflective time that I had, those checking in with my friends that were coaches and having regular coaching sessions, I really, I prevented myself from getting to that total burnout stage. There were definitely times that things were harder, but I really made it a point too. when I reached those times. We had a season where my dad was up three or four times a night. And so as I was there three nights in a row, and I'm a girl who needs eight hours of rest every night, then I found myself at a place where I looked at my sister and said, I need some more rest so can we bring a caregiver in to stay longer on Saturday than they were so I can sleep a little yeah. bit more? So I just really advocated for myself, um, probably exceptionally well <laughs> compared to what most people do. And I think part of that was just, again, the friends that I had around me and that training that I had to really be reflective and to stop and think about it. But I self-care is so important, and it is difficult. It is hard to know what you need unless you really stop and ask yourself the questions. Yeah. I see you have a dog in the background. Uh, was the dog uh, beneficial in, uh, and therapeutic for your dad? Or did, was he there as, as well? Um, we had multiple dogs. Well, my dad, my dad had a dog, and so um, he was there through most of the journey. I guess we actually we lost him about two years before my dad passed away. But I always brought my dogs with me um, because my dad loved the dogs, and they were a great comfort to them, uh, to him, and then as well as to me. Because you know, when you're taking care of somebody with Alzheimer's, you don't have necessarily normal conversations, and so, so I talk to my dogs as if they're my my little people, and yeah. so. I had lots of normal conversations with them. <laughs> so, I yes, dogs, I agree. Yeah. They're definitely part of my self-care. Yeah. So, uh, fortunately, you were a coach and you were taking your own advice, which is, uh, you know, unusual because a lot of coaches and experts don't take their own advice. The shoemaker who needs shoes, the marriage counselor who's had getting a divorce, et cetera. 
Um, why were you involved in coaching? Was it, uh, you know, before the dementia, the Alzheimer's thing, and and or was it because of it? That's a great question. So I had mentioned earlier my dad and I owned a Sylvan Learning Center. When I married the farmer, my business was 90 miles from the farm. And so we continued to run my business for a while, but eventually it just got to a point where it didn't make sense. And so when we made that change from me leaving Sylvan to come to the farm full time, um, I was kind of at that point, what am I going to do with my life, you know? And so I was looking for options and I started, I found coaching at that point. And I just Loved it because of my experience with Sylvan, of being able to work with families, both the parents and the child. It was so rewarding. And so that's what I found coaching to be as well, is that opportunity to really just listen and help yeah. problem solve with the person. And so that was um, my step into that. But, you know, it lined up perfectly because... I was in training, I was able to start my coaching business, and it's portable. And so being at the farm or being at dad's house, it didn't make a difference. Yeah. I could still work my with my clients. So it was perfect for me. That's great. What what type of uh, classes did you do at Sylvan? Was it just everything? Yes. Uh, worked with kindergarten through adults on reading, writing, math, study skills, mm. ACT prep, all of those things. Yeah. Yep. You, you were practically a coach, uh, and you were involved in the teaching process, too, as opposed to just hiring people and, and having to do it. Right, yeah. My my college is teaching. I have a reading certification, and so I've spent years in the classroom as well before I found Sylvan. I just love the personal touch of Sylvan and that opportunity to really zone in on the problem and help solve it. <laughs> so did your dad ever need a, uh, to be transferred from his home to a facility, or he didn't have to do that? So we actually were able to keep him home all the way to the end. Um, we oh, He suffered great. arterial clot, and so he had a blood clot. So we had to go through surgery, had a little rehab mm. from that. But then after we moved from rehab, we, we went back home, and that's where he passed away. What a good daughter you are, you and your sister. Um, <laughs> that's how I want to <laughs> just stay in the home. There's no place like home, as Dorothy said. Uh, Very true. How do you... How do you recommend uh, someone work through their emotions, getting back to emotions? You've got to have those people. I think support group is, is a great place to do that. Um, definitely, if you can hire a coach, I do think they will help you do that as well. But I think it's so important to really be aware of all the different emotions. Um, with my book, I have a um, – pre-order bonus that is a workbook that looks at 21 different emotions you might be experiencing in your caregiving season oh, with wow. some questions to kind of think through. So that might be something that your listeners might be interested in. Um, it's at noregrets-book.com. If you pre-order the book, okay. then you can get that download free. That's great. You did tell me that you are a proponent of support, even though you kind of only had uh, a coach what is the uh, benefit of support? I mean, a lot of people, you know, back in the olden days when I was needing support, they didn't have, you know, the Internet and, and all of the things they have today. Got, but, man, there's so many uh, support groups online and on Facebook, et cetera. What, what is the real benefit of having a group of people uh, surrounding you sharing stories, uh, understanding that, you know, hey, what you're going through is no problem, you know, I, I've been through that, and here's what I did, try this. You know, what's, what's the dynamic going on in a support group? 
So I have the privilege of, of leading a couple of different kinds of support groups. One of them is oh. faith-based, and I adore that faith-based group because we can come together in faith and know that there is hope even in the midst of all of this yuck because of the hope that we have in our faith. So I think we get that support through that piece of it, but also just hearing others that are making it through. And honestly, I love to hear within my support group, when someone is struggling with something, everyone else is coming back and saying, hey, we see you. We know what you're doing. You are doing enough. And (laughs) don't be hard on yourself. I mean, sometimes you just need someone else to say that to you because you don't ever feel like you're doing enough. Yeah. And it's nice to know that what you're going through is normal. I mean, even the grief process, I didn't know what what that was. And when someone told me I was grieving, I looked it up, you know, and there's five stages, et cetera. Well, we're going to take another break. These darn breaks. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. Caregiverdave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting caregiverdave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. One arm, one leg. 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. When you need a positive point of view, turn to HealthyLife.net, your 24-7 radio network for a better future. on the Caregiver Dave Show with my guest, Raina Nysis. And I want to talk a little bit about your book uh, during this last stretch in our interview. Uh, 
Go ahead. Why did you write it? Uh, what are your goals, and what do you hope to accomplish through all of that? So I never imagined I would be a writer. I like to talk way more than I like to write. And so at my dad's funeral, actually, my dad was able to attend a day-stay program for people with Alzheimer's or memory impairment. And the director came to my sister and I and just was like, we just loved your dad. We're going to miss him so much. And she gave me a big hug, and she said, you and your sister need to write a book. I was like, oh, whatever. And so I just kind of ignored it and went on my merry way. And I had a friend who was going through some struggles with her parents. She's like, you you just need to write a book. You've learned so much through this season with your dad. And so as I looked at that, I thought, okay, so what have I learned? And just sat down and put paper to pencil. And I worked with some great um, coaches that helped me to get the message out. But the book is, first 10 chapters are just things that I learned, how to hire and fire help, how to manage medication, how to honor the person that you're caring for, you know, how to do it without giving up your whole life. Um, the last six chapters are self-care things. I We push self-care as people who are caregiver survivors, and we just keep telling people to take care of themselves and take care of themselves, but I really wanted to give you some things that I think really helped me and impacted me in that. And one of those was writing a personal manifesto, you know, really sitting down paper and pencil and saying, who am I? What's important to me? And then using that to make decisions based off of my manifesto. So, but because I'm a daughter who loves her parent and wants to be able to support him, I can't say yes to everything else. And I think that was one piece that really helped me to stay healthy throughout the caregiving season for me as well. So my goal for the book is just to share our journey. It has lots of personal stories um, of what we challenges that I faced and the ways that I overcame it and how we worked as a team to do that as a family. Wow, that's great. Um, let me back up to emotions again because, you know, what's what are your options? Be logical or be emotional, you know? And I always say that um, you don't want to ignore your emotions. You don't want to ignore the logical side of, of your brain. I say uh, many caregiver decisions are like 50-50. Oh, my God, what do I do if I do this? That's going to happen if I do this, you know, and you flip a coin or whatever. But I say if you're at that point, um, give your brain, give your logic 51% voting rights and your emotions 49. And that way, uh, when you come to that tie, uh, the the logic side of your brain will will have that veto power. Do, do you agree with that? And can you think of some examples where you were kind of going through the same thing? I do agree with that. And, and in coaching, we talk about the dissonance, the uncomfortable, the frustration that is actually when our head and our heart in, are in disagreement. And so in our heads, we know one thing, but our heart feels something differently. And we kind of have to get to a point where we can get them on the same page in order to find peace. And so sometimes it is our our logic helping our heart to see things a little bit differently. Sometimes it's our heart just feeling the emotion and then getting that out of the way. But I agree. I think that's part of the intentionality that I teach within my book of your caregiving season. If you're not intentional, which is your logical side, you're going to have regrets. Because if you make all of your decisions from the heart base only, you're going to look back and wish that you had noticed more options. And I think our logical side gives us all the different options that we need. And that's what really helps us to make decisions we don't regret later. Yeah, because there are logical people out there who are used to making logical decisions and the opposite, people who are used to making emotional decisions. 
unfortunately, it seems like most people who who are on the emotional side have more problems than those who are on the logical side, and those who are on the logical side seem to have problems with relationships. And so, you know, exactly. they're both important, and you should both value they them. Are. But give a tiny little edge to the logic, <laughs> I have found at least. Um, well, and I think sometimes if we ride through the emotion, we can allow the logic to be more our deciding factor. We have to ride through the emotion, not ignore it. But we right. need to realize that once that high emotion's over, we're going to be more likely to make a good decision on the logical side. And again, you know, caregiving is a temporary thing most of the time. And even long-term caregiving uh, is temporary because there's going to come a day where you're not a caregiver anymore. And some people actually go through depression. Their whole identity was wrapped up in caregiving. They say, oh, my God, what do I do now? And what do you say to the person who is going through that? But also what do you say to the person who is waiting and they hear people like you say, oh, it's a joyful experience. And they're not experiencing the joy. And they're, they want to. Uh, experience the joy, but it's just not there. You know, it's just a job, and they love their loved one, but they wish they weren't a caregiver. They wish they didn't have to do this. They wish their loved one wasn't in this condition, and sometimes they just kind of wish they would die, put them out of their misery because they are miserable and they, and themselves are miserable. What do you say to those people who are really, really struggling and want to uh, see the joy but just can't see it? I think the key is that you have to want to see it, and it, it is a, a process of training your brain to see the moment. When we're overwhelmed and we're just stuck in all the to-dos and we're not realizing that right here in the moment, the person that I love for is right here looking at me, and I can interact with them and I can receive that love back, then that is what we're missing. And so it is difficult. And there definitely is no way of saying that there, it's not hard, but it's a matter of learning to be in the moment with that person. Find a smile. Challenge yourself to find a smile for them, for them to get them to laugh or to smile back with you. Find a way to make that moment the best moment. I, You know, I, I don't like to compare parenting your parents um, because you're not parenting your parents. They're still an adult. But, you know, you can do the same thing. You can fall into the same trap as a parent. You can be so worried about getting your kid to school on time and with clothes on and all of those things that you miss the fun moments. And so it really is a process of learning to train yourself to find the fun moments and find the joy in the moment. It's there. It might just be something you have to dig around for. If you can't find it, get some help both with the caregiving tasks that are the most burdensome for you and with your emotions, whether that be a counselor or a coach or support group, get some help because this is a season. You will walk them all the way home, and your choices will dictate whether or not you have a life to walk back into that you love or if you lost everything because you've given it all up just for the season. Yeah, that role reversal with parent and, and uh, child is so depressing sometimes where you all of a sudden are the parent and they are the child and, and you know, you have to keep their respect and self-dignity and all that. So in the last 30 seconds, what is the last one thing that you would offer to others in the middle or beginning of caring for a loved one? I think it comes back to being intentional and being reflective. The two most important things you can do. Go into the season with intention. Don't step in and do it all. Step in and find the help, give them the help that they need, but that doesn't mean it has to be you. 
and take time to reflect in the middle of the season and know whether or not you're doing right by you and by them. And you can only do that by taking those self-inventories. So you have to be reflective. Great answer. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you helped a lot of people. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Or if they want to buy your book? So you can find out more about the book at noregrets-book.com. And you can contact me at aseasonofcaring.com. I would love to be just be able to have a conversation, see if we can support you in your journey or help you find the support that you need. Great, you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And everybody, we'll see you next week, same time, same channel. Bye-bye. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. The Bright Side of Talk, HealthyLife.net.